This is High Stakes from Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock. Well, welcome to High Stakes from Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock. I'm David Schifrin, and uh, today I am joined by our CEO, David Gerard, and Michael Peregrine, who's a partner at our good friends at McDermott, Will & Emery. He's an attorney who specializes in corporate governance and, and corporate structure. And the genesis of this conversation came about because we've been looking at a number of different things. Michael has been thinking about the relationship between the chief executive officer as well as chief counsel and the reason why that relationship is so important. And what we're seeing is that the CEO of, of organizations in general really need to be more visible now than ever. People are, as we know uh, from numerous surveys, looking to leaders and executives for trusted advice and direction. And that's very true right now in healthcare. And in addition, people are beginning to expect more of CEOs. The idea of uh, what a lot of people call a social impact company, like say Patagonia or Tom's Shoes, it's shifting from sort of an outlier to the mainstream. So healthcare leaders in particular hold a unique position today because so much of society revolves around the pandemic and healthcare. And of course, healthcare should be by definition a social impact industry. We're, we're mission driven to care for people. So the question becomes in this current environment with COVID-19 and you know, we're preparing for a vaccine rollout that is happening as we speak, is how a healthcare executive sort of walks the line of taking a stand both in terms of healthcare issues as, where, as well as larger social concerns and provide necessary information while not falling into foolish talk or legal liability. So again, I'm grateful to have you, Michael, and you, David, join us for this conversation and I'm really looking forward to what we can come up with. Well, David, you made a lot of great points in your introduction. I do think there is an expectation of CEOs to take more of a public position. And, you know, as David knows, in the old days, CEOs kind of shied from the public venue. They shied away from major high profiles and their board wanted them to shy away from a high profile situation. You know, it's a great way to get in trouble, as the board members would say. All sorts of legal risks, disclosure problems, antitrust concerns. Uh, but David, that's changing. I started to notice this. I'm curious about your perspective. All of a sudden, you know, earlier this year, we saw some of the corporate social responsibility conversations on gun control and immigration and some of those uh, issues. But it seems like things began to change when CEOs started speaking out in November about the uh, presidential election transition. And that started to morph into the period of the vaccine and I was curious, are, are you seeing it the same way I am, that this all of a sudden the landscape is changing for CEOs and, yeah. and their public commentary? Yeah, Michael, we, uh, we are. I, th I think CEOs are finding an opportunity to fill a vacuum of trust that exists in the community. They recognize that because of who they are and the organization they represent, they have some credibility. They have some strength they can bring to the conversation. And many are taking advantage of that, some wisely and some not so much. We've seen that a lot. And I guess one of the things that I always wanted to remind clients is historically, you know, who, who do they go to in terms of advice on what to say and when to say it and things of that nature? David, my view has always been you better check with the board chair before you venture out there. But perhaps first, you know, CEOs look to a team of colleagues on their executive leadership team, the chief communications officer and the chief legal officer. And touch base with them first. And those are two folks who don't usually communicate a lot. They don't talk a lot or collaborate a lot on projects, but on this one, it seems like they ought to. Ought to and more and more. Generally, we would hope that a CEO or a leadership team would check with the communications officer because there is a communication strategy 
and you want the, the voice of your CEO or the, or the leadership team to echo and support the strategy that's put in place, which is usually about building market share or providing um, a level of trust with customers and patients in your organization. What we're seeing now are, are CEOs who are sometimes acknowledging the communication strategy, but sometimes going well outside of the bounds of the traditional strategy that they would be following. Well, that's why I suggest they talk to the chief legal officer first, which who also is the board's chief legal advisor, and just kind of uh, clear the way here and, and make sure that, that the CEO is not stepping into, into forbidden territory. But I think, David, part of that is maybe sharing with the board and educating the board on now might be the time for the CEO, especially in healthcare, to start speaking out on some of these issues. You know, it's not just the vaccination, although that's certainly the key thing. Uh, you know, we forget about things uh, like the social determinants of health, the, the racial disparities in the delivery of health care. There are a lot of issues on which they ought to be speaking out on. There's a lot of issues that they ought to be speaking out on, and they have a unique opportunity to speak out. You know, David uh, mentioned early on the a number of surveys and that reflect the level of authority or credibility that certain voices have in the community. We've conducted some of these surveys ourselves. And one thing we certainly find, particularly on healthcare issues, is that hospitals and local hospital leaders, physicians and nurses have enormous credibility, enormous power to influence how people think, and that the community is looking for these people to speak out on these issues. So it, it's an it's a, it's a opportunity, but it's also a responsibility, we would argue, for these mission-driven organizations to speak out on the things that they have credibility on. Uh, David and, and Michael, um... I wanted to expand on that a little bit because so here at the, uh, the firm, we talk about an idea of responsible transparency. And Michael, in your article that you wrote for Corporate Council that just came out on the relationship between uh, CEO and, and CLO, you use this phrase right and legal, which I think is kind of a similar idea to responsible transparency. But you, you both are talking about you know, sharing the right information. What does that mean both in terms of the communications and, and being proactive and offering information and then also legally, you know, right versus legal? And how do you how do you balance that? Well, uh, giving credit where credit is due, the concept of is the questions of is it right and is it legal are the basic questions that the chief legal officer is is expected to ask the, the modern chief exe, uh, chief legal officer. Uh, that's a concept that can be attributed to Ben Heineman, the, the estimable former general counsel of General Electric for many years. And his point was, you're more than a technical legal expert. You're a business partner in management, and you're a voice of responsibility and conscience to the organization. And I think, David, that's where some of these issues come up. I'm, you know, the, the thing that jumped out at me as today as we were taping this is, you know, this this uh, confluence of the uh, vaccination. I was talking to clients today where the, the vaccine had arrived at their institutions today. We have that. We have Dr. Fauci's comments about the, the need to have up to 75% of the population expanded. And then you and I both were reading the same stories in the Times today about certain voices out there saying this is a communist conspiracy. Don't do it. Yeah. So, so the question of is it right? Is it consistent with the mission? That's a conversation, David. I think that the uh, CEO ought to be having with the, the board chair and the general counsel, I think that falls in the category of, is it right? And then how do we make it legal? Michael, I agree. And I love your emphasis on the CEO engaging with the board because many of the boards we work with, the health systems, of course, are representative of their community and, and reflect a, a public mission, often a public health mission to advance public wellness in their organization. And they do that through the operation of their health systems, but they also can do it by being strong advocates, in this case, for the vaccine and for other things that would cause population health to be improved in their 
in their community. But it's right that the board ought to be aware and an endorsement of uh, the CEO's actions. I think sometimes the challenge is, is when the CEOs and other leaders go off the reservation and they lose some credibility when they speak about the things that they are not naturally connected with. Right? And we've seen, we've seen some examples in our industry where, where, where that has occurred and the board has acted swiftly because of the, the damage to the institution. And that damage, David, I guess can be immediate, can't it, with the wrong kind of public communication? Uh, it can. Reputations are... Are, are hard to build and they can take a lot of time, but they can be quickly dismantled. How do you handle that, David? When say you get a call from a, an institutional client that says, I, I have to respond to this comment on vaccination that's so contrary to what we need and must do. I need to get something out right away. How do you slow him or her down? What, what, what's your course? How do you approach that conversation in terms of structuring the communication such that it doesn't risk the CEO or the institution? You start with the core of your organization. You've got a mission, you've got a purpose, and everything you say ought to be reflective of that. Even if it is controversial with some opinions in the community, it needs to reflect who you are as an organization. The board is truly helpful in helping define that. That's thing one. Thing two is there's very few issues that are going to be raised that are a surprise. It's not a surprise that vaccines are controversial. It's not a surprise that this has been a politicized issue like masking throughout the pandemic, smart communications officers and CEOs will have run scenarios, anticipated the questions that are gonna come and be able to lean into them swiftly when the question comes. Are there limits to the venues that you would recommend a CEO use to send this public health message? Social media versus print interviews, things of that nature. How do you structure the communications plan? Well, if it's a question of the CEO speaking, you want a voice where um, the CEO's message can be delivered in full. Those personal interactions, those in-person engagements are the most powerful and the most persuasive. Social media is great, but it's it's like a loose cannonball running around on a ship, hard to control, and you have no idea what happens to it afterwards. So that can be a supporting actor there, and I, and I think should be, because so many people get their information there. But you've got to start with a core message that comes through personal engagement. And that's the hope where you, you that the, the senior, senior communications officers are going to reach out and say, we also have to touch base with the chief legal officer and vice versa. I, and, and David Schiffer, and this goes to the point you raised. Um, this is one of those situations where collaboration uh, uh, horizontally uh, in the C-suite between these two senior officers, and they work together from time to time. But really, it seems to me, David Gerard is acute. You, they've got to know that both they, they both have jurisdiction over the issue, that they both have a message to say, uh, and they can team together. One going forward on this issue without the other in tow is, seems to me a real risk. I love the, your phrase that both have jurisdiction. We think of it in terms of like a political campaign where you have a variety of interests who are in, in charge of pushing an organization forward and pushing its message forward. And these different voices need to be working together in tandem all the time, particularly in a moment of heightened scrutiny like this and heightened exposure like this. It ought to be not an occasional conversation or just a board meeting conversation. They need to be talking every day, emailing each other back and forth every day about, about what, has, what has been, what is coming, and what can you expect next. Something I'd like to highlight here that you've both touched on, but I think is really worth calling out is there may be issues that are legal. But, and again, this goes back to right and legal or responsible transparency, but there needs to be that, that communications uh, perspective about how you should say it 
or whether you should say it at all. And can, the, the reverse is true, right? And so having everybody in the room at the same time, I know, David, we've got colleagues here who, who are strong advocates for having you know, marketing and communications folks at the table in the room when operational and strategic, and in this case, legal decisions are made so they can be there to provide a perspective on how that, might be, that message might be received, as well as to craft the message in real time. Well, then those are messages, for example, the chief legal officer may be completely unaware of some of the critical concerns that David and people in his area are, are aware of and vice versa. Historically, again, this goes back to why CLOs have, have advised CEOs to be very wary of public communication. The, the potential they, uh, impact that they uh, may have in terms of sharing confidential information, the perception that they're somehow signaling anti-competitive messaging to within the organization or to colleagues or other organizations, they are somehow sending a message that's antithetical to their charitable or taxes and purposes if they're a charitable organization, or that they're saying something that could have a dramatically negative effect on ongoing negotiations with the business partner. That's the CLO's world. David, what does the CLO need to know from, from you as to the things that he or she should be considering as, as she or she evaluates his advice to the chief executive? Well, I'm, I'm taking through my head the number of issues that just your comments have raised with me already where the CLO needs to be a partner in the conversation. I mean, right now we're having any number of uh, conversations with leadership teams who want to know how to talk about the vaccine and generate such a, such a conversation that causes vaccine hesitancy to be reduced, where people feel confident about taking the vaccine. And sometimes the emotional reaction is just to provide an, an unambiguous assurance the vaccine is totally and utterly safe. I hope that I hope that would scare a CLO. <laughs> we don't want to head in that direction. Well, I think that the the other issue is that the CLO would benefit from discussion from the chief communications officer of the real impact. What you think of a CEO coming out and speaking, as opposed to the chief of the medical staff or some uh, or some other clinician or researcher. How would you describe the impact of a message from the, the CEO of a major metropolitan uh, academic medical center on this issue? It, it's different in every case. And clearly when we're talking about vaccines or clinical issues, the clinical leader has much more credibility and authority from which to speak. Nurses and doctors, powerful spokespeople when it comes to the delivery of medicine. Sometimes the CEO needs to speak because it's a business issue or the CEO is speaking to his or her staff and colleagues. In a in a in a an environment which we're in now, nurses and physicians are looking for the leadership team of their organizations to have their back. They get frustrated that the experience they're having in the hospital, watching people die from COVID, um, is not reflected when they go to Walmart or go to the grocery store and they see a community not having the same experience. And they're so they're looking for leadership teams to to speak for them, to have their back in those conversations. And it's an opportunity for CEOs to, to do the right thing for their internal audience as well as their external audiences. How does that relate to the, the upcoming decision that many institutions are going to have to take about whether or not to mandate vaccination? Who delivers that message and what does that look like? It's a great question because it needs to come both from the clinical voice and the voice of authority in the leadership of the organization. The clinical voice needs to say, here's, here's why medicine and science tells us this is the right thing to do. The, the CEO has a, has a business decision to make. And frankly, to your point earlier, both legal exposure, labor exposure, any number of exposures that have to be considered as they take a position like that. And I would hope that the board is involved in a decision like that because of the trailing consequences about it in the, in the organization itself. 
Michael, can you talk a bit about that legal exposure that could arise from those decisions as well? It's a fascinating topic, David, and it's it's one of those things that, that lawyers love to hate, which is it's a muddy situation. It's absolutely going to David's uh, George question, a board issue. Ultimately, that's the kind of uh, decision that has such stakes you can't ask management to make it alone. And there are a number of factors the board's going to have to take into consideration. Uh, number one is obviously the, what is the right thing? What are the public health implications? What is the value of to the organization and its workforce from mandating vaccination? How do you prove it? But I think the, the legal issue and where the CLO comes into play is the question of, okay, there's a basic, the law basically says you have a duty to man, make sure of the health and safety of the workforce and that the workplace is free of hazard. And that's the way the organizations have previously put out mandates on other elements of flu. That this, it gets complicated though, and David, uh, this goes to your area. If you have uh, large sections of your workforce that are uh, part of an ethnic or religious group that has that has uh, real fundamental problems with the concept of vaccine or distrust with the vaccine. How does that work out? Again, and then the following question, you know, issues: How does that play with your community? Is a mandate seen as authoritarian? Uh, and then, what are your legal exposure in terms of a corporation as a board? Uh, will you be sued for issues arising out of the vaccination? None of those are other than perhaps the legal issue, the, the issue of whether or not you have the right to do it is an up or down concern. David, a lot of those other issues go to the kinds of things you were talking about. What, you, what is your knowledge base about the, your workforce? What are the community's uh, views on this issue? Yes. What would be the impact on the consumer if you say we have made a decision at ABC Medical Center to require our employees to be vaccinated? It, it is a, as, as you know, Michael, it's not an insignificant issue. I mean, the latest surveys tell us that 36%, I think, of nurses say they are very hesitant about taking the vaccine and, and in fact, do not plan to take it. And so would you, as an organization, require 36% of your or nurses to take the vaccine or leave? It's a challenge for hospitals and health systems because they can't afford to lose the nurses. We need every single one that we have. So it becomes a stalemate uh, with uh, both a labor issue and a philosophical issue for an organization. Not a small topic. The hope is that as more people take the vaccine, they'll see its efficacy and they'll see that it is being able to be received without side effects. And over time, it'll become accepted. Which we're is not there I, yet. To, to both of you, the, the, from my perspective, advising client boards, say be prepared to make this issue. Be prepared to move swiftly. Start to have these conversations in the evening. Don't let it wait till after the holidays. Recognize the public health concerns. Recognize these frightening statistics about the, the resistance to the vaccine and, and, and start to prepare your CEO for the kind of communication plan that you need to because this all goes to the, the kind of back to where we began, David, and that is we're in an environment now where I would say business leaders generally and certainly in healthcare are going to be expected to be engaged more in with the public profile. Yes. Your lead, your concept of leadership, it's, it is, it is part and parcel of a values based company portfolio. I would say consistent with these concepts of social responsibility. Would we be having this conversation three years ago? Probably not, but, but it, it neatly fits within uh, where corporate purpose conversations are going. My message again, fellows, is boards need to be preparing tonight to start that conversation so they're positioning their CEO to work with their communications consultants to clarify the, their legal rights and to get those messages out before the window of vaccination opportunities passed.
Michael, that, I think that's so smart. And, and I, I think it's smart that boards need prepared. And I think it's smart that boards need to be prepared tonight because we've been talking about the CEO and the leadership team as being the spokespeople. But as the boards, particularly of our not-for-profit hospitals, go out into the community, they're the spokespeople. And they have incredible power as they speak in their, within their church circles, within their grocery circles, within their social circles. What they say matters. And if, it's, if, they're, if they're saying something that's consistent with their organization, they can advance it. But it's easy for that to be disrupted and miscommunicated. So they, they need to be as consistent as the CEO in what they say and what they talk about. And David, are you concerned, as I am, that if they don't uh, make a decision and act on this relatively soon, the voices of those who are on the I, I, say on the fringe, the voices that we are reading about now that are saying this this is a conspiracy, this is uh, an awful thing, that, to urging the public to reject the vaccination, that those voices will become accepted more broadly by the population? We, uh, we cannot create a vacuum that allows those voices to be the only voice that is heard. Our belief is that hospitals and health systems are the original purpose-built organization, and we have a responsibility as boards and leadership teams to exude that purpose in our communications and messaging, particularly right now. You're, you're exactly right, Michael. We're at a, at a key moment, a turning point moment. The pandemic has been raged for 10 months. We now have a solution, a reason for hope. We have to endorse that hope. We may not be able to fully explain everything that is how it's going to work and how it's going to roll out over the next six months. But if we can lend our emotional voice of support, we will have a, a, a quicker and a better outcome. Well, thanks so much to both of you. So move quickly, but thoughtfully have those conversations tonight. The board needs to be involved. Any other, you know, very specific action items that healthcare leaders should take home right now and, and either that you've covered that you want to highlight again or that we haven't covered? You know, David, I would say that it doesn't have to be the CEO there. I'm sure there are CEOs who prefer not to have a public profile who are by right. nature people who like to, to operate outside of the public glare. And, and uh, David Gerard, that instance, who, who's the default? Is it the board chair? Is it the chief of staff? We, we don't want to put this all on the CEO, even though that's the logical person. It should not all be the, the CEO. The, the, the clinical voices here are powerful. Your chief medical officer, your chief nursing officer are valuable. Also, what's valuable is somebody who's good at it, somebody who's comfortable yeah. at it. Michael, to your point, they, somebody who's passionate about it but can't deliver that message is not really helpful. So it's a role of the communications officer to train those key leaders up uh, to play that role. And as I said earlier, board members, whether they like it or not, are spokespeople. So they've, they've got to be equipped and trained. And, and David, I would go be beyond this, the particular immediate issue of vaccination, I would say that there are other, we want to keep in mind, there are other public health issues on which uh, CEOs really need to be speaking out on. We forget about them with the pressure of the pandemic, but David Gerard, uh, you know, there's so many other things that have occurred this year that, that require our attention and require CEO attention. We don't want to miss those. Well, and you're exactly right, Michael. And it's, it's not a secret what those are, the racial inequities and price transparency and surprise billing. We could go on and on with the list, but so can any other leadership team in a healthcare organization. And there's no excuse for not writing down that list, coming up with your answers for that. So you're prepared when the time comes and when the questions comes because they're coming. Especially when you see alternative views expressed on media outlets from ranging from 60 Minutes, as it was last Sunday, to, to, to social media, to the newspapers and things of that nature. It's a different world for CEOs now, isn't it? It is a different world. And we have to be prepared to answer those alternative views that are responsible in a way that's responsible. We also be, have to be prepared to know how to deal with the crazy because the crazy is coming too. 
and it deserves something or nothing from us. We need to make those decisions instead of in the moment. I thought we were done with that stuff. David and David, thanks very much. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, David. Michael, thank you.